0: This podcast is intended solely for blind and print-impaired audiences and is brought to you by the Radio Talking Book Service in Omaha, Nebraska. Baseball is back.
1: And starting in the 2023 season, no longer will it be the only major North American professional sport without a clock. Let's take it Among the most transformative set of changes to the game in well over half a century is what Major League Baseball hopes can serve as a panacea for so many of its problems. A pitch clock. 20 seconds with runners on base, 15 seconds when they're empty. It's really not about changing the game. It's about making
2: sure that we put the very best form of baseball on the field.
3: It's time to advance
1: this best form of baseball in the eyes of the commissioner looks like the faster-paced game of the 1970s and 1980s with the far better tuned athletes of today in addition to the pitch clock mlb is banning extreme defensive shifts with two infielders on each side of the second base bag and all of them with their feet on the dirt mlb is also increasing the size of the bases from 15 inches to 18 which will cut the distance between the bags by four and a half inches, ostensibly encouraging more stolen bases. All of the changes are in service of not just cutting down on game times, but inspiring more action. If the transition goes as MLB believes, baseball games should shed at least 20 minutes of game time, something that has been borne out during spring training games. Of course, with new rules, there are bound to be hiccups. Matchup between Boston and Atlanta on February 25th illustrated the most extreme version of that. Damn strike three!
4: Wow, this is
2: mayhem. Uh, 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 Base is juiced, and he wasn't alert in
5: time.
1: The rules are straightforward, and as they did during testing in the minor leagues last year, they'll take some time for players to get used to. Catchers must be within the batter's box lines with 9 seconds left on the clock. If they aren't, it's an automatic ball. Hitters need to be in the batter's box and facing the pitcher, ready to hit, with 8 seconds remaining. Otherwise, as the Braves learned, it's an automatic strike.
0: This is
4: baseball in 2023!
1: Pitchers who don't start their deliveries before the expiration of the clock get charged an automatic ball. Further. Pitchers will be limited to 2 pickoff attempts. And if they try a third to no avail, they'll be called for a balk. Pitch clock violations are not subject to replay, but teams can challenge a legal defense. There's going to be a period of adjustment. That we, we all understand that. Over the long haul, we
2: believe that the benefit that we will see from these changes make it worth the risk.
1: A new reality is upon us. The clock is here. The shift is gone, the stolen base is back, change is nigh, and baseball can only hope it's better for it.
3: It's time for baseball! From the studios of the radio talking book service near the corner of 72nd and sorenson parkway on the chi emmanuel campus this is michael fouch your host and a very pleasant good day to you wherever you may be pull up a chair spend part of your day with us as we explain some of the changes coming up as the major league baseball season begins So let's go through what some of these rules changes are before we have you listen to one of the guys responsible for this. The pitch timer. Well, The length of games will still be determined by innings, not minutes. But to create a crisper pace, there will be a 30 second timer between batters and then a shorter time limit between pitches. Pitchers will be required to begin their motion 15 seconds after receiving the ball with the bases empty or 20 seconds after receiving the ball with runners on base and if they don't, they will be charged with an automatic ball. Now pitchers will also be limited to two disengagements from the mound. For example, pickoff attempts or step-offs per plate appearance with a runner on first Now these disengagements reset the clock. Batters, meanwhile, must be in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher by the eight-second mark on the clock, or else be charged with an automatic strike. There's restrictions on the shift. The defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield, with at least two infielders completely on either side of second base. Now, these restrictions are intended to increase the batting average on balls in play and allow infielders to better showcase their athleticism with great defensive plays. And there's going to be bigger bases. First, second, and third have been expanded from 15 inches on each side to 18 inches on each side, while home plate remains unchanged. Now, The primary reason why the bases are bigger is safety, giving fielders and runners more room to operate without colliding, but the slightly decreased distance between bases could help runners on stolen base attempts and bang-bang plays. So when do these new rules go into effect? Well, if you've been watching baseball so far this year, they'll be in effect for all of spring training to provide an adjustment period before opening day of the 2023 season. Now, umpires have been instructed to begin calling violations with no grace period. And will they be enforced during the postseason? You betcha. Will the new rules be used in the World Baseball Classic? Well, no, they won't be used in that tournament. So what was the genesis of all these rules changes? Well, if you're a baseball fan, you've probably noticed the length of games. You've probably noticed there have been a lot of strikeouts and a lot of home runs and a lot of walks. Well, as MLB sought ways to address the issue of games taking longer with reduced action, the league conducted extensive fan research to determine, in essence, the best version of baseball. The consensus was action, balls in play, a lower percentage of plate appearances that result in home-run strikeouts and walks, athleticism on the base paths, and in the field, and above all else, a faster pace. Now, From there, Major League Baseball's Competition Committee and Playing Rules Committee assembled a variety of different rules-change ideas aimed at prioritizing the fan experience. So Why is Major League Baseball confident these changes will help? Because all of the changes were tested in more than 8,000 games at the minor league levels and extensively in the Independent Atlantic League before their adoption at the big league level. And what were the results of these experiments? Well, in 2022, nine-inning minor league games using the pitch timer were, on average, 25 minutes shorter than in 2021 games, that did not have the pitch timer from 3 hours, 3 minutes to 2.38. Stolen base activity increased from 2.23 attempts per game to 2.81. And the stolen base success rate improved from 68%, which is barely break-even, to 78%. The defensive shift limits contributed to an increase in batting average across the minor leagues from 247 to 249. Well now, let's take a deeper dive on each of the three rules, starting with the pitch timer. So, what's the purpose of the pitch timer? Well, it's all about reducing the dead time between pitches and create a crisper pace of play. The average time per game has consistently been at or above 3 hours since 2012. Now, the goal is to provide more action in a shorter window of time as opposed to less action in a longer window. Major League veteran Matt Carpenter, who spent time in AAA in 2022 playing with the pitch timer, said initially I hated it, but I grew into liking it a lot, to the point where I would fully endorse it in the Major League game. The big selling point is that the pace of the game is way better, it just is. So why does the pitch timer increase stolen bases? Well, Because of the mound disengagement limits placed on pitchers. With runners on base, the timer resets if the pitcher attempts a pickoff or steps off the rubber. To prevent the pitcher from circumventing the pitch timer, as was seen in the original minor league tests, a limit of two disengagements per plate appearance was created. The limit is reset if a runner advances during the plate appearance via a stolen base, wild pitch, passed ball, or balk. What happens if a pitcher steps off a third time? Well, if he does, it is treated as a balk. The rudder or rudders on automatically advance unless an out is recorded. Put it another way, if the third pickoff attempt is successful, it's not treated as a balk. So does the batter in Major League Baseball have any timeouts? Yep, they do. One per plate appearance. Otherwise, the batter must be in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher with at least eight seconds remaining on the timer. What if the pitch timer reaches zero as the pitcher is in his motion? Is he charged with a ball? Nope. As long as the pitcher begins his motion prior to the expiration of the pitch timer, he is not charged with a ball. Now, umpires will wear a device on their wrists that will buzz when the clock expires, so it will be on them to call the violation as opposed to a horn throughout the stadium you might hear for a shot clock violation at an NBA game. So what about mound visits or injuries? Do those count as disengagements? Nope. Mound visits, injury timeouts. And offensive team timeouts do not count as a disengagement. Well, do teams still have the same number of mound visits available per game like they did last year? Yeah, they do. They still have five. However, an added wrinkle as a result of the pitch clock is that if a team has used up all five of its allotted mound visits prior to the ninth inning, it receives an additional mound visit in the ninth this effectively serves as an additional disengagement. Can anything else stop the clock? Sure, the umpires may provide extra time if warranted by special circumstances. For example, if a catcher were to be thrown out on the bases at the conclusion of one half inning, he could be given extra time to put on his catching gear. Basically, umpires can use their best judgment to determine if the timer needs to be paused. Uh, How common will pitch timer violations be? Well, if the adjustment in the major leagues plays out similarly to the minor leagues, there will be many more violations earlier in the season than later. In the second week in which the pitch timer was in place in the minor leagues last year, there were 1.73 total violations per game, but by the sixth week, there were just .53 violations per game, in other words, players adjusted in about a month. The second rule is the shift. What's the purpose of the defensive shift restrictions? Well, it's to improve the likelihood of balls in play, leading to more traditional outcomes and to showcase the athleticism of rangy defenders up the middle. As a frame of reference, thanks in part to the prevalence of extreme defensive shifts, that is to say, all four infielders playing on one side of second base or the other, the MLB-wide batting average on balls in play in 2022 was 290, seven points lower than a decade earlier. Cody Bellinger of the Cubs said, I think it's going to bring a lot of athleticism back into the game. Now, these infielders are going to have to cover a lot of ground and show off what they can do, as opposed to standing where the ball is probably going to be hit. Now, for me, just as a baseball fan, I think that's pretty exciting. As far as the shift is concerned, can infielders switch sides? Nope. So if the shortstop is the team's best defender, he cannot switch spots with a second baseman against a batter, more likely to hit the ball to that side of second base. Can an outfielder play in the infielder, say, as a fifth defender? Yeah, they sure can. And we're going to talk about that later on. A team can take a bigger risk of the batter hitting a ball the other way to a more open expanse in the outfield. Now, what's the penalty for failure to comply with the shift restrictions? Well, yeah, it's an illegal defense and it's an automatic ball. Now, are shift restrictions subject to replay review? As a matter of fact, they are. Can't an infielder circumvent the rule by running across second base or into the outfield when the pitch is released? Nope, in addition to being physically difficult, such circumvention will be monitored by the umpires as a violation, resulting in an automatic ball. How about the bigger bases? What's the purpose of the bigger bases? Well, the purpose again is player safety. This is particularly helpful on the many close plays at first base. In the minor leagues, injury events near the bases went from 453 with the old bases in 2021 to 392 with the bigger bases in 2022. How much do the bigger bases change the distance between bases? Well, the distance between first and second, and second and third is reduced by four and a half inches. The distance between home plate and first, or third base and home is three. So you might be asking yourself, how did all these changes come to be? Well, do you remember last spring? There was a lockout that ended when Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association reached an agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement paving the way for the 2022 regular season to begin April 7th. After the Major League Baseball Players Association, the Players Union, approved the deal by a 26-12 vote, the owners ratified it with a unanimous 30-0 vote, officially bringing the three-month lockout to a close at the time, Commissioner Rob Manfred said, One of the good things about collective bargaining is that it gives our players an opportunity to have input on what their workplace and the game is going to look like going forward. And they took full opportunity to provide that input during these negotiations. Our players are great, great athletes. I respect them and respect the input that we received from them during this process. And we really did learn a lot. Now, the new five-year collective bargaining agreement includes increased minimum salaries, a new pre-arbitration bonus pool to reward the top young players in the game, a raise in competitive balance tax thresholds, the introduction of a universal designated hitter, the widest-ranging draft lottery in pro sports, a system to prevent alleged service time manipulation, and limits on the number of times a player can be optioned in a season to address concerns regarding roster churn. The deal also included an expanded 12-team postseason format, bringing playoff baseball to two additional markets each year. And as part of that agreement, a joint competition committee was formed comprising of four active players, six members appointed by MLB, and one umpire. Now, beginning in 2023, the committee was tasked with adopting changes to playing rules, such as a pitch clock, base size, defensive positioning, and automatic ball and strike zone. Under the previous agreement, MLB had the right to unilaterally implement rule changes with a one-year notice, but the new system allows the game to improve improve in a more timely fashion thanks to the collaboration between the league and the players. Now last September, the Major League Baseball Players Association issued a statement expressing the union's disapproval of the new rules regarding the pitch clock and defensive shifts player leaders from across the league were engaged in on-field rules negotiations throughout the competition committee, and they provided specific and actionable feedback on the changes proposed by the commissioner's office, the Players Association said. Major League Baseball was unwilling to meaningful address the areas of concern that the players raised, and as a result, players on the competition committee voted unanimously against the implementation of the rules covering defensive shifts and the use of a pitch time. The competition committee, which voted to adopt the new rules, was created as part of the collective bargaining agreement negotiated between the league and the Players Association in 2022, so the players really didn't have much room to complain since they agreed to it all to end the lockout. So, here we go. Let's listen to an interview that MLB Network did this spring.
4: Welcome to MLB Tonight. What's new in 2023? Alongside the esteemed Tom Verducci, I'm Adnan Burke. It's good to have you with us. I feel like Tom and I should open with a big hallelujah. The the game of baseball that we've always known and loved, that will always be the best game, but a sport we particularly love growing up as kids. It's going to feel like that, Tom. We hope with these changes coming in, it's been a long time coming. I think it's
0: great news for baseball. It's great news. I'm so excited for the season. I haven't been this excited for a season since I don't know the invention of nachos and those plastic helmets at the (laughs) ballpark love those no because we're talking about a game I think it's going to look very different than what it did say in the last few years Mm -hmm. but familiar in terms of pace of action athleticism as you've
4: always said to me, it's not about the overall length, it's the it's trimming the fat. It's getting in there rather than the 24 seconds between pitches, 28 seconds between pitches. We're gonna get this thing nice and tight. 15 seconds between pitches when the bases are empty, 20 seconds with the runners on. The defensive shift restrictions. Two infielders positioned on each side of second base. The infielders must have both feet within the outer boundary of the infield. Infielders may not switch sides unless there is a substitution and bigger bases. First, second, and third base increased from 15 inches to 18 inches square. We'll get into all of that and honestly, who better to talk to than about this than Theo Epstein? He helped break a couple of curses. That's right, team executive with the Boston Red Sox back in 2004. He does it again in 2007. And then when the Chicago Cubs, when they snapped their 108-year drought in 2016, he is currently a consultant for Major League Baseball and a real thrill to bring in Theo Epstein right now to the show. First and foremost, been a fan for years. We've never met. And I walk in wearing a tie, and I said, hang on a second. This is not the Theo Epstein I knew. We we went tie off. That's bad for your brand. Ted Williams rule, no tie. (laughs) I follow it. Um, You've been a guy who's obviously been a part of baseball forever. And I thought one of the great quotes about this entire situation is you said, listen, I'll take some blame for this. You know, when the game that I've watched, that I kept putting forward data and saying, all right, this will work, this wouldn't. It's not as aesthetically pleasing. I think that's the overall key. This game's going to be more fun to watch in 2023.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, the game has evolved a lot over the last two or three decades, and some of those changes have been driven by optimizations that were led by front offices and people like me pushing them. And while it might have helped you win some more games, it didn't necessarily change the game for the better for the fans in terms of the way the game is played on the field aesthetically. So credit to the commissioner, the owners, the players who all got involved and worked on these new rules, tested them out over 8,000 minor league games throughout the ones that didn't work, improved the ones that did work. And now we're excited to have these new rules that'll make the game better for the fans. You know, the game is about the players, and and the rules will put the players in the center of the action. It's for the fans, and we think it'll be a better product overall for the fans to enjoy. We'll go through
4: each of these changes step by step. The first we're going to go through is the shift. And, Tom, you can count... (laughs) on a lot of different vehicles about how many, like this is crazy. When you look at this data, how much it's increased exponentially. The number of shifts per season when it went from 22,000 in 2017, which was not that long ago, and then tripling that number to over 60,000. This wasn't just a cute little quirky thing. It was prevalent everywhere. And now the rule changes. This will encourage more balls in play, better showcase the athleticism of defensive players, and really counteract that growing trend of the four-player outfield.
0: Yeah, that chart, we saw how much it's and how fast it's grown tells you it grew for a reason they're effective they took away hits that's why it became something that was used maybe once in a while against certain pole hitters to something that became against left-handers the majority of it bats so zeal i gotta believe and you said something important we saw the some of these rule changes enacted in the minor leagues more than 8,000 games of data Mm -hmm. i gotta believe we're not wish casting here based on that data the shift and the ban against shift is going to bring more hits back into the game, correct?
2: It should. It should improve the in-play environment for hitters, especially for left-handed hitters. But I think often overlooked is the impact on infielders. It's going to bring back the premium on athleticism, on range, on diving plays. And when we did test it out in the minor leagues, the group that really liked the shift besides uh, or banning the shift besides the fans were infielders because now they felt like the game was on the line. And You know, I think... Fans prefer if a game is decided by whether their second baseman can range in the hole, make a diving play, come up, and, and throw the runner out, more so than if you know their front office had the right algorithm to position them in the perfect place so the ball sit right to them. So, puts the players back in the middle of the action and athleticism back on the diamond.
4: And it really goes back to baseball. We all grew up playing and observing. And if you look at basketball. You know, there's a time they said, okay, no more legal defense. Like, let's adjust things when it's not as aesthetically pleasing. I think for baseball, you had too many fans saying, God, it's frustrating when my favorite player can't buy a hit. And this argument that, well, just go the opposite way if you're left-handed hitter. Why can't you? Well, why should I have to? Why can't I do what comes naturally to all of us, right?
2: Yeah, and pitching is so good right now that it, it's virtually impossible to, you know, hit the ball hard the other way on a consistent basis and beat the shift. Or guys would have done it already. Right. We don't necessarily have all the answers. We're going to make adjustments how we go, but with, with the League hitting 243 versus when we grew up, the league hitting 265, 270. I think it's appropriate to be aggressive and try something new.
0: You There's- made a good point about pitching, by the way, because teams, I saw pitchers and teams learn how to pitch into the shift, right? You're defending these left-handed hitters with your infielders, but also with the way that you pitch them. Yeah. Over the last four years, cutters from righties to lefties, that's a pitch coming in on their hands, went up 49%. And if you're a lefty, what can you do on a ball coming in on your hands? You can't carve that the other way. You're hitting that right into the shift. Now you can at least hit a ground ball through the right side. Remember those days.
2: (laughs) And fans grew up knowing what a hit looks like off the bat. And what it looks like off the bat, and that changed suddenly over the last decade. So to bring that back, I think will, you know, restore a little bit of a comfort zone for a lot of our fans. So the spirit of the rule is that there's two infielders on either side of the bag. Now infielders are certainly out allowed to lean and anticipate where the ball is being hit, but you can't be full speed in motion sprinting over to the other side. That would be prohibited by umpires.
0: No man in motion scale. <laughs> you know, exactly. Now that we look at it, we're going back and we're going to look at the, uh, last year's World Series. They are now archival films, kind of last time we've seen a (laughs) shift in place because I went back and looked at the World Series games and we got so used to those balls to the right side becoming outs a lot of them hard hit balls Mm -hmm. those are going to be hits next year so the Phillies especially with guys like Harper and and Kyle Schwerber always hitting into the shift with the second baseman flexed out more than 200 feet from home plate this is during the no hitter you had a no-hitter thrown where a couple of hits by left-handers by the Phillies would have been hits in the old days or will be in 2022. That's the one that always got me, Theo, with the second baseman playing back there, yeah. a ball with an exit velocity of 100 miles an hour. It was a hit for 100 years, yeah. and for five years, it was an out.
2: And don't overlook the depth restriction, too, because it's not just ground balls, it's line drives. When you, when you have that extra infielder playing in short right field, mm-hmm. the crushed line drive or the one hopper, that was always a base hit through baseball history and easy out and I think we're gonna get used to in a hurry and enjoy having that be a base hit again can there be a chance the center fielder could play that hole
4: that Tom's talking about go to short right field
2: Yeah, well, it would probably be, you know, some teams are talking about in extreme situations bringing the left fielder and sort of abandoning an outfielder, going with two outfielders and and putting that left fielder in short right field. There's a real cost associated with that because now you're you're covering the whole outfield with just two outfielders and the flared opposite field ball is a triple or an inside-the-park home run. So I think we're going to see that, but in select circumstances where you have extreme pull hitters in certain game situations. Now,
3: baseball's new era arrived, as many new eras do, with a lot of intrigue and a little awkwardness with the excited embrace of some, the miffed objections of others, and the ultimate conclusion that the game and the world will indeed go on. On the Rich Eisen radio show, the host and his crew had some thoughts from the sidelines. Baseball
5: is new bases. Yes. This is a player safety thing, right? They, they want it bigger. This is a player safety.
4: It's kind of like use... less less collisions, less guys getting stepped on. Alex bit.
5: Cora called the new bigger bases pizza boxes. I mean, it looks so like they added
4: it. three inches on either side. The
5: old bases were 15 by 15. This is 18 by 18? And 18 by
4: 18. Okay. 18-inch 18 pizza. Remember These when Ellen? Ellen was hosting the uh, Oscars and she had pizza brought in everyone? And those boxes were huge. That's what that base looks like. It's like enormous. The biggest pizza
5: box, It's like 32 slices in it's gonna that It's going to look, look weird. It's going to look weird.
4: They're hoping stolen bases
5: now goes up because you're like six inches closer. <laughs> yes. bases. I I'm, I'm, I'm for that. I'm all for that. Yeah. Great. And then more <laughs> infield hits, maybe. Everybody comes out throwing 100 miles an hour. Like it hits out. Anyway. Everybody throws 100 miles an hour now. But maybe something will drop because somebody's not standing there in short right field like it's some beer softball league. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Because they've gotten the shift handled. I like it. I well, like it. Let's
3: see it. if, you know, certain lefties, let's see if their averages go and up then this year.
5: And we get the pitch clock, too, don't we?
3: You know, as we're recording this on RTBS, it's spring training. So, as in that show, whose line is it anyway? The games don't count and the runs don't matter. So, what better time, then, for the league at large to acclimate to the most ambitious rules changes in modern history? Well, the first slate of games with the pitch timer, defensive shift restrictions, and bigger bases arrived February 25th in the Grapefruit League in Florida and the Cactus League in Arizona, and as promised, games were quick and enforcement was strict. Brewers manager Craig Council said, You feel the difference, no question about it. San Diego manager Bob Melvin, whose Padres lost to the Mariners 3-2, said, If this is going to be the pace of these games, I'm okay with it. First look so far, so good. Now, all involved were warned that there would be no grace period with regard to the rules, and the first player to be penalized for violating the pitch clock in 2023 was Matty Machado of the San Diego Padres during one of those spring training games against the Mariners. Now, Machado told reporters after the game that the umpire warned him, but he wasn't able to get back into the box in time. He'll have to learn to adjust, he said, after he got called for a strike. It's going to be interesting to see, Machado said. Who knows where this leads. We're in the record books, at least. Now, for his part... Mariners left-hander Robbie Ray found the pitch timer to be a boost to his rhythm on the mound. The former Cy Young Award winner started and threw two scoreless innings for Seattle, giving up two hits while walking one and striking out one. He was on the mound, when Machado was charged with that pitcher timer strike. Now, Ray said after the game, I feel it kind of actually helped me really gauge how much time you really do have. So for me, I feel like I work better when I'm working faster. So it kind of gave me a gauge to work off of. Now, his counterpart Padres pitcher Nick Martinez felt much the same way adding that there was another factor to thank for how smoothly things went for him. Now, the Seattle Mariners win over San Diego was played in a crisp two hours and 29 minutes. The other Cactus League game of the day, a 6-5 walk-off win for the Royals over the Rangers was played in two hours 33 minutes. Right-hander Glenn Otto started for Texas against Kansas City, giving up two runs on one hit, walking one and striking out five in two innings. He also gave the new pitch timer a positive review. Otto said I liked the pace of play. I liked how when I went and chased a foul ball to the dugout, they didn't start the timer until I got back to the back of the rubber. I think I was caught with a runner on base once where we had one second, and I had to get it going, but we've been practicing with it. Change is always going to make some people uncomfortable, but I felt good with it. And Royals pitcher Daniel Lynch had this reaction.
2: There's a difference. I think everybody sees that The pace of the game, and you know, it'll take a little bit of an adjustment period for our guys. But it was a pretty crisp first game. Uh, you know, I think Robbie threw the ball pretty good. Stuff was great. In command. It'll take him a little while to settle in, and after that, our, our bullpen guys threw the ball really well. I think Freelander Baroa certainly stood out uh really good impressive performance by him you know first game some balls hit hard thought we played pretty good defense and we'll move on to tomorrow i, I think just the pace man you feel it players feel it uh, i think kind of just listen to guys in the dugout They kind of liked it you know they say that now we'll see how it goes down the road but it did it's, it's a crisp game uh, pitchers around the mound they're getting the ball they're going right after you got to be ready to hit you know get up there and swing it and that's what we saw today so
3: good start. Rangers second baseman Marcus Simeon, who said he didn't feel rushed at the plate, he was more focused on the new shift restrictions while on defense. The restrictions on infield shifts are designed to result in more hits, which Simeon said he thinks will be the result. Royals first baseman Vinny Pasquantino had perhaps the most eventful afternoon when it came to the rule changes. He went two for two with a home run and a single that quite possibly might not have been a single without the new shift restrictions. He was also party to the first penalty charged to a major league pitcher for not adhering to the pitch timer. Rangers left-hander John King was the culprit on a 3-0 pitch to Pasquantino in the fifth. Now Pasquantino said he loved the new pitch timer. He joined Machado in the History Makers Club, also echoing the humor which Machado described the distinction. So, my first three-pitch walk, Pasquantino quipped, History for me, that's for sure. I asked for the ball, but they'd already put it back in play. Pace of play, you know. Crowd
4: of 7,923 has had a good day at the ballpark here in their first Grapefruit League game. Now, time called. Conley took too much time. He's out. He wasn't. He didn't have his eyes on the pitcher by the 8-second pitch mark on the pitch clock. And that's going to be the ball game. Conley was headed to first. He thought it was going to be a penalty for a ball, ball four. Oh, my goodness. The game just ended on a pitch clock violation. And now home plate umpire John Libka visiting with Walt
3: Weiss down there outside the Braves' dugout. Wow. How about that to end an inning? Now, whether baseball fans like or hate the new pitch clock, it could soon have a huge impact on the outcome of games. And so it was already this spring that a game between the Red Sox and Braves in Northport, Florida, ended in the bottom of the ninth with the score tied, as there was no intention between the two teams of using up extra men to play extra innings, when Braves infielder Cal Conley, who was up to bat with the bases loaded, two outs, and the count full, was not alert to the pitcher by the eight-second mark of the pitch timer, and therefore was assessed an automatic strike, struck out lagging, game over. Braves manager Brian Snitker said, "...these are the kind of things that tell you why we're starting this right now. You never know what might happen. That instance right there shows you what could happen. Now, if anything, an early prevailing opinion after the first two games of spring training is that some pitchers have been guilty of overcompensating for the timer and working too quickly. Red Sox manager Alex Cora said, We felt that the pitchers were rushing, you know, and then they were making pitches at 10 seconds and 9 seconds instead of, like, taking your time. There's no rush. Reds prospect Brandon Williamson, who had extensive experience with the pitch timer in the minors, noted that the field timing coordinator operating the timer in the big league game he'd pitched against the Cleveland Guardians was more consistent than what he was used to previously. Now, in AAA, he said, There were plenty of times where I thought the clock was, for whatever reason, started too early or started too late, Williamson said. I thought today was really consistent, and I hope it's like that for the rest of the year. Blue Jays superstar Vladimir Guerrero Jr. said, I don't know if you guys noticed, but before, I used to walk slow to the plate from the on-deck circle. I'm trying to catch up to time now, though, so I'm walking faster to the plate, and that way I have more time to get ready, added Yankees shortstop Isaiah kiner falefa Now, for me, a couple of times, I caught myself picking up on our coaches for positioning, and then I looked up and I was like, oh, wow, our pitchers are already on the way home. The tempo is a lot faster, infielders, we're gonna love it. We're always gonna be ready now. Though each of the rule changes has its own intention and its own application. The ultimate goal of their collective arrival is a sport with more action and a brisker pace. And an estimated 46% of players on 40-man rosters have first-hand experience with new rules in the minors, so it's not as if the entire big leagues are flying blind. But that doesn't mean we haven't had and won't continue to have awkward moments in the exhibitions mostly oriented around the timer. Cleveland Guardians manager Terry Francona said, you know, the thing I caught myself doing was watching it too much. And any time you see an umpire pull out 24 pages, you know they are too, so we're all trying to get a feel for it. I'm glad they're coming in in a couple of days because we've got some questions. I think there are some inconsistencies that we'd like to ask questions about. I do think we'll adjust. I was even asking umpires and they were saying the AAA umpires that they've talked to said they adjusted, so we'll adjust. Better to be uncomfortable now than on opening day, and that is what spring training is for. Brewers manager Craig Council said you learn something about it every day, we've got a bunch of stuff written down that we'll ask questions about, but it was a crisp game and we felt it, it was better, there was more action, the time between pitches was less. It definitely has its warts, but this is something that will ultimately benefit the sport of baseball in the end. Pitchers also seem to love it a lot. Why? Well, this at bat, from Pirates outfielder Tucupita Marcano, shows us exactly what the deal is. Now, he may have had just the quickest strikeout in Major League Baseball history against the Yankees' Wandy Peralta. Not only did it take just three pitches to strike Marcano out, but those pitches also all came within a few seconds of each other. All it took was eight seconds to fall 0-2 in the count. Oh, a little quick pitch right there. Mm. <laughs> well, Baraka, quick
4: pitch for the clock, how he, about that? He got the
3: 16 <laughs> seconds
2: there, or he's got the 13, 12 seconds there, I think. And now Capita's down two strikes within eight seconds. Wow!
3: Don't need no pitch clock. Wow! So, of course, Marcano probably wasn't completely prepared for the speed Peralta was moving at. He didn't seem to be, anyway. So pitchers are going to catch batters off-guard with some of these pitches all season long. There's not a lot of pausing between pitches anymore. Batters have to stay at the ready, and if they don't, they'll end up like Marcano did there. Now New York Mets veteran pitcher Max Scherzer has theorized that baseball's new pitch clock will allow pitchers to dictate the pace of games, and in the eyes of one umpire, well, he raced even too fast for the pitch timer. In a recent spring training game, Scherzer tested the boundaries of baseball's novel pace of play rules during his second spring start, trying several unusual tactics to get Washington Nationals hitters off their game, and at one point... He started throwing a pitch to Victor Robles the moment plate umpire Jeremy Riggs reset the clock and Riggs called Scherzer for a balk. Scherzer said he calls time, I come set, I get the green light, I thought that was a clean pitch. He said, no, we have to figure out where the limit is. Scherzer experimented with a few strategies in his game against the Nationals, with two on and two strikes against Riley Adams in the third inning. Scherzer froze in the set position and let the pitch clock tick down to seven before Adams called timeout. On the next pitch, Scherzer became set as the 20-second clock started. Adams finally stepped into the box with the clock at 11 seconds, and Scherzer immediately delivered, getting a swinging strike on a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Scherzer said, you can tell they were expecting me to work quick today, and you can make that work to your advantage by speeding up and slowing down the game, he said. Mets manager Buck Showalter said, Max and a lot of veteran pitchers and pitchers in general are going to use this time to test some things and make some adjustments. Everybody up here is looking for a competitive edge, hitters, pitchers, catchers, and it's a good time to be testing these things. But here's the strange thing you might not have known. Major League Baseball actually has had a pitch clock pretty much since there's been a Major League Baseball in the first place. It's true. Strangely enough, Before the spring of 2023, MLB kept devising all these offbeat, rash ideas that hadn't reversed the time-stretching trend. It's basically ignored Rule 804, which technically still exists. The text is not complicated. Rule 804 all along simply stated when the bases are unoccupied, the pitcher shall deliver the ball to the batter within 12 seconds after he received the ball. Each time the pitcher delays the game by violating this rule, the umpire shall call ball. So why hadn't MLB enforced this rule? Did they fear that umpires would ignore it or the players' union would protest? Perhaps they could, but How do you willfully ignore or protest an existing rule so, in fact, we found some research on Rule 804's potential effect. Now, we watched two games, both via the MLB TV archive that were as average as it could get in 2021. Now, they were full nine inning games with roughly the average time of game, three hours and 10 minutes, the average number of pitches, 300, average total pitchers used, nine, and the average amount of base runners, 23. Now, both were American League games, to 6-2 results, a May 19th contest between the Detroit Tigers and the Seattle Mariners in Seattle, and a 4th of July game at Kansas City with the Royals taking on the Minnesota Twins. Now, the study clocked the time between pitches to see how much time would have been saved had the pitchers delivered their offerings within the required 12 seconds. The study checked the length between pitches when the bases were unoccupied, as the rule states, and ignored the delivery time after foul balls and situation when players or umpires called time. And almost immediately... The study found in both games that the starting pitchers were mostly in compliance with the 12-second rule, at least the first time through the opposing team's lineup. In fact, Detroit Tigers pitcher Tariq Skubal, in particular, was taking as little as seven ticks between pitches. Somewhere, Commissioner Rob Manfred would be smiling ear to ear to hear news like that. Now, as the study went in further, a few things became apparent. One, the pitcher was not always at fault for violating Rule 804 hitters were taking their time too. A few years back, MLB had ordered them to stay in the batter's box between pitches and not waste time at the risk of earning fines. Well, that helped. But there was still a lot of readjusting going on within the box, even as they didn't swing at the previous pitch. Now, obviously, such actions can't place the blame for a 12-second violation on the pitcher, so... In fairness, perhaps Rule 804 did need to be amended to allow the umpire to call strike if the hitter ended up being the one causing the delay. And that is actually what happened in a real game. Back in 1988, in the bottom of the seventh inning in April, with the New York Yankees pitcher Charles Hudson on the mound, Minnesota Twins outfielder Dan Gladden, who had a reputation as a bit of an argumentative hothead, stepped out of the batter's box to get ready. The home plate umpire, Tim McClellan got fed up with Gladden's delaying antics and waved for Hudson to deliver the pitch, with Gladden still outside the batter's box. Hudson, puzzled, obliged, and threw what would have been right down the middle of the zone. McClellan rang up Gladden for strike three and, well, Here's audio of that encounter. So the thought was that if Rule 804 was ever to be taken seriously why you could almost bet on pitchers, hitters, and catchers repeatedly calling time at an almost abusive rate to legally slow the pace to their liking, though of course the new pitch clock rules are going to take care of that. Anyway, back to the study. Things began to slow down once the starters faced the opposing lineup the second time through. Pitchers recall what this batter and that one did the first time up and possibly make adjustments, requiring extra thought and thus extra time. Fatigue also might have played a role, and relievers proved to be anything but in a hurry. Granted, they weren't all like Pedro Baez, the former Los Angeles Dodgers slug who once averaged 30 seconds between pitches, Baez's consistent loitering led him to be the second major leaguer nicknamed the Human Rain Delay, after 1970s-1980s first baseman Mike Hargrove. Unlike the starters, relievers were typically more deliberate in their pace, after all they weren't looking to establish a quick groove to get through six innings or more. Instead, they constantly engaged in a sometimes endless staring contest with the hitter and or catcher, even with nobody on base. Why, it would make you say just, get on with it, man! So yes, Major League Baseball had been threatening to use a pitch clock for years until this spring. But again, it already had Rule 804. And someone back in the day sure thought it was a good idea enough to use it in the rule book. So that so called pitch clock, there's nothing new about it.
1: Look at where they're going to play their right fielder. I think got that's
3: what we're talking about. With Gallo, he
1: is going to play center. And they brought the center fielder Duval. Duvall, he's playing where they used to play in the old shift.
3: Now, the early returns on Major League Baseball's decision to restrict shifts are promising in spring training runs and batting average were both up this compared to spring training a year ago players were hitting 272 through february 28th with an average of 11.9 runs scored that's up from a batting average of 259 and just 10.6 runs through the same period in 2022 the uptick in offense does not appear to be affecting pace of play thanks in large part to the introduction of the pitch clock. The average game time through February 28th was 2 hours 39 minutes and that's down from 3.01 over the same stretch last spring training. Now this is one of Major League Baseball's rules changes designed to get people who never watch the sport to suddenly become interested in in recent years, teams have leaned heavily into shifting their infield in an effort to make it harder for hitters to get on base, with left-handed hitters in particular struggling when they hit the ball on the ground into the shift. Now, the new rule indicates that four infielders need to be on the dirt and only two can be on either side of second base. Teams can no longer throw an infielder in the shallow part of the outfield in between their first baseman and whomever is lining up at second. And this is theoretically good for a guy like Joey Gallo of the Minnesota Twins, a lefty hitter who almost exclusively pulls the ball to the right side. But unfortunately for him, the Boston Red Sox figured out a loophole in the rule already. The Twins and the Red Sox played a spring training game March 3rd and Gallo stepped up to the plate in the bottom of the second inning. Now while Boston did indeed have two infielders on either side of second base and all of them were on the infield dirt, the team's center fielder Adam Duvall positioned himself in right field in the spot where a shifting infielder would be in years past. The team's left fielder Romiel Tapia went into center and the Sox just assumed that Gallo wouldn't hit the ball into left field. Now, Gallo ended up getting on base via a walk, and the next batter, Kyle Farmer, hit a home run, which is presumably the baseball gods getting back at Boston for this one. Time will tell. If the league will try to do something about this, in part because the shift rules have worked out rather well. ESPN, for one, noted earlier this week that batting averages were up 13 percentage points compared to this point in spring training last year. Left-handed batters, hurt by the increasingly popular practice of bunching defenders on one side of the field, are exacting their revenge by signing sweet post-shift contracts. Baseball fans are in for a real treat this coming season, more Joey Gallo. The strikeout-prone 6'5 slugger is as close to a perfect example of the state of Major League Baseball in 2023 as you're going to get. The banning of the so-called shift that has already enriched left-handed hitters such as Gallo. The shift had been especially detrimental to lefty batters who, for some reason, had more trouble than righties hitting the ball to the opposite field where the fielders just weren't. The prospect of shiftless major league games has already altered how teams are putting their rosters together according to experts who spoke to Forbes magazine. Now, Scott Boras, who Forbes called the most powerful agent in all of sports last year, put it succinctly, having a refrigerator at second base who can just hit won't fly anymore. It also means big changes in player compensation. Clearly, left-handed bats will benefit, Morris told Forbes. They were all dramatically impacted by the shift. The elimination of the shift brought the promise that those players' performances would benefit. The agent singled out left-handed hitters Corey Seager of the Rangers, the number three highest paid MLB player in Forbes' annual ranking in 2022, and the Phillies' Bryce Harper, the ninth highest As the two players who'd benefit from the rule change, both are signed through 2031, so their good fortune would be mostly statistical. But Gallo, a Boris client, stands to benefit on the stat sheet too, but despite his shortcomings, he's already improved his bottom line. Gallo hasn't batted higher than 199 in the last three years. His 2022 season was particularly anemic. He hit just 160 in 126 games, the equivalent of 16 hits every 100 times at bat. The MLB average was 243. Now, in baseball, there's a derisive expression about a player not hitting his weight, and Gallo tips the scales at about 235. Now, though he's hit as many as 41 home runs in a season back in 2017, making him a premier power hitter, Gallo's most consistently impressive offensive statistic has been the frequency at which he strikes out. Over his career, Gallo has averaged 226 strikeouts for a 162-game season, an achievement that would put him in the running for the crown in just about any league in just about any year. Now, By comparison, Babe Ruth... Struck out an average of only 86 times in a full season, and more recently, the player who replaced Gallo in the Yankees lineup last season, Andrew Benintendi, has a more modern average per 162 games of just 125 strikeouts, and none of it has prevented Gallo from increasing his income. Now, with the shift gone, Boras negotiated a raise over his 2022 salary of $10.275 million. This offseason, Gallo signed a one year year deal with the twins for $11 million more proof that the death of the shift means a reborn career at least financially for Cody Bellinger another left-handed hitter and Boras client Bellinger has endured three inexplicably awful seasons since winning the national league most valuable player award with the Dodgers in 2019 and that year he had a 1.035 on base plus slugging percentage a key offensive metric but by 2021 Bellinger's OPS was just 542, and in 2022, it climbed all the way to 654. He made $17 million last year, a contract decided in arbitration before the Dodgers cut him loose. Then came the rule change about the shift, and suddenly, Bellinger was a hot commodity again. Now, in December, he signed a one year deal with the Cubs for $17.5 million. million plus $5.5 million if the team chooses to buy him out for 2024. Now, Michael Conforto is another example. Now, Boris scored the left-handed hitter a two-year deal with the Giants for $36 million, despite the fact that the former Mets outfielder missed all of last season over the shoulder injury. His last salary with the Mets was just $12.25 million a year. Now, not to dwell exclusively on Boris's clients, Excel Sports Management got Ben Benintendi a raise, too. After making $8.5 million last season, the outfielder signed a five-year, $75 million deal with the White Sox. And guess which side of the plate Benintendi hits from? That's right, the left, right into the shift except this year. Now, Boris believed MLB teams were doing their homework to figure out how the new rules were impacting different players, but he and his organization weren't leaving it to chance. In negotiations this offseason, he came prepared, with reams of data showing just how much some of his clients stood to gain in a world where the shift was verboten. Boris said his data suggested 30-point bumps in batting average could be expected for lefties like Gallo, who used to perpetually face unbeatable, balanced infield. Now, if that turns out to be true, Gallo will still hit around 190 in 2023, only 45 pounds below his weight. Now, there's one last thing. We might not be done with the rules changes in Major League Baseball. You might have heard about the so-called robot umps. Oh, yeah. Experimentation with the Automatic Ball Strike System and, relatedly, the Ball Strike Challenge System will continue in the minor leagues in 2023, but the system is not in place at the Major League level, and there is currently no timetable for it to be added to MLB games. Many Major League Baseball fans may be dreaming of the days of robot umpires given all of the terrible calls they've witnessed on balls and strikes especially, why they can already find out talking to players in the Pacific Coast League. Last May, Major League Baseball expanded its automated strike zone experiment to AAA, the top level of the minor leagues, and since then, Robot umps have been determining balls and strikes as the sport continues to figure out whether or not it would truly be better for the game if they removed the human element from behind the plate. The Pacific Coast League's El Paso Chihuahuas used a sensor to decide if a ball was inside or outside the zone during their games. Once the system determines its call, the home plate umpire is notified via an earpiece. The Chihuahuas also post the location at each pitch on the big screen at Southwest University Park. El Paso manager Jared Sandberg said this is about robot umpires and whether or not he felt like it was a positive change for the game. Sandberg said they've had to lower the high strike, they've made some adjustments throughout the season. I know there's been some times where there's been some frustrating calls, a ball clipped the zone or clipped the corner or is off the plate and clips the line, so there's been some frustration, but it's brought some consistency to the game. Now while the system is still working out the kinks, Sandberg noted that one thing that's changed is the number of player complaints directed at the umpire. Sandberg said it's just less barking and chirping from the players, you can't yell at a robot umpire, so robot umpires will reportedly be implemented in all 30 AAA stadiums during the 2023 season, including Warner Park in Papillion, the home of the Omaha Storm Chasers. Now, Buster Olney of ESPN reported that two different systems will be used. Olney said the automatic balls and strike system, commonly referred to as ABS, will be deployed in two different ways. Half of the class AAA games will be played with all of the calls determined by an electronic strike zone, and the other half Will be played with an ABS challenge system similar to that used in professional tennis. Each team will be allowed three challenges per game with teams retaining challenges in cases where they are proved correct Now, MLB's intention is to use the data and feedback from both systems over the full slate of games to inform future choices, and that drew a mixed response. Some opposed the move to robot umpires, or at least seemed skeptical of how it might be applied. Now, extreme rule changes being implemented without taking into consideration the players they directly affect, one of them said, experimentation over development, this sucks. And if they can do it with the speed of efficiency of tennis, well, I'm all for the challenge system, another opined, but we can't be bringing out the tablets and headsets for balls and strikes. Now, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred said in June there are no plans to bring robot umps to the Major Leagues in 2023. However, given that the job performance of Major League Baseball umpires was one of the most hotly discussed topics of the 2022 season, it should come as no surprise that this had support as well. One has to assume that presuming no major kinks are exposed to AAA, they'll be coming to MLB not long after the 2023 season. So a lot of stuff is going on for the 2023 Major League Baseball season. And I think some people who are on podcasts, why they've got their own opinion about how everything is going to shake out.
5: Pitch clock will be the best thing to ever happen to baseball. Finally, there's a sense of urgency about the game. The pace of play will be better, and the duration has already been cut down about a half hour in spring training games. No more hitters doing the Macarena when it comes to checking their gloves in the box, and pitchers will no longer be rubbing the brim of their hats like they're summoning a genie. Sure, some purists will be upset, but you know what I'd say to them? There's no crying in baseball.
3: And there's no crying on RTBS either, as this wraps up our hour-long rundown of the rules changes in Major League Baseball coming to a park near you. I'm Michael Fouch, your host, and thank you once again for inviting us into your home today.